I know firsthand that when you're raising a challenging, reactive or aggressive dog, that life isn't all unicorns and rainbows. But I also know that it helps to hear other people's stories. My name is Kaisa van Overbeek, and on this podcast we share stories of the force-free training journeys of amazing dogs who are just a little rough around the edges. Lately, what's been on my mind a lot is, well, actually tons of things, obviously, but also languages and language acquisition. And I've been thinking a lot about it. My brain has been taking me all over the place. So I thought I would just, you know, thought vomit (laughs) all of that, as I call it, on the podcast, because I think there are a lot of um, parallels between language acquisition and how we think about it and how we feel about it and our lives with our dogs. So I just want to take you back in time to when I was even younger than I am today, just kidding, to when I was in high school and when I was in English class and my teacher, I'll never forget it, she just kind of offhandedly made a remark saying that people could never master a second language the way they did their native tongue. So even though we were in English class, we would just kind of have to accept that we would never really achieve mastery. We would never really achieve the kind of fluency that we had in our own language. And I was internally freaking out out. I was so mad at this woman. Like The inner perfectionist in me was like, wait, what are you telling me? No, just no. I'm not buying this. I am going to show you. This is ridiculous. I was fuming. So that was English and I I can't really recall what year of high school that was in. Like In Holland, we have six years of high school, so it might have been year three. I don't really know anymore. I just know I was upset. Anyway, fast forward to some other language anecdotes from my past. So in Holland, you also have to, like when you graduate high school, um, in my time, it's changed now, but in my time, you had to choose or take an exam in Dutch, obviously, because that was obligatory and you had to choose at least one foreign language uh, as an elective. Obviously, for most people, that was that was a no-brainer. That was English, because that's the language that you needed. But usually, you kind of took another language as well. So in my school, that meant either German or French. I don't think they offered Spanish. Maybe they do now, but it was French or German. And I decided to go with French because I thought... Well, that's a Latin language. Both Dutch and English are Germanic languages, and it's probably kind of good to have a solid base, at least grammar-wise, in a Latin language rather than a Germanic one. And I figured German's kind of close to Dutch, so it's probably easier to pick up later than French is. So I dropped German and took my high school exams in French. But I don't want to talk about French. I want to talk about German. So later on, I was just learning German. And I figured, okay, let's see if my theory is kind of solid. So I was kind of trying to speak. But mind you, like I said, I was kind of perfectionistic. So 
I really didn't want to say anything until I knew it would come out perfectly. So I would be kind of slowing conversation because I'd be rehearsing in my mind what I wanted to say and how I should say it so that it would come out the right way. So at one point I was explaining something to someone at a party and I said in German, I'll just give you the translation basically. What I wanted to say was I got into the car and I kind of said, I stood myself into the car in German. And I was met with lots of laughter and everybody just, you know, like was having fun and like, what did she just say? And I was mortified. I had all the thoughts about it. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And they basically explained to me, you know, you, you, you stood yourself into a car. That's not what we, we say. We say we sat down in the car in German. So why did those two little episodes make me feel so horrible? Well, first off, my English teacher was basically telling me I could never be perfect. And that sounded like failure to me. And I did not want to be a failure. Failure just didn't sound good. I thought, and this is very important, I thought my belief was that if I wasn't going to be able to attain perfection in a language, I might as well not even go for it. Because what's the point? What's the point if everybody's going to hear that you're not a native speaker? Why would you even try? I don't know. This was my younger self, okay? So just letting you know. But this feeling that just was so icky, the feeling of just, you know, someone telling you you're never going to get there. You're going to fail before you've even tried. That was the part, you know, with my my English teacher. The party in German, I think that was, you know, embarrassment and shame like I did something wrong people are laughing at me they they think I'm silly they think I I don't know what I was thinking but something that made me feel embarrassed something that made me feel as if I wasn't doing it right and by extension sorry that you know I wasn't I probably I wasn't worthy that's what it all comes down to I suck I'm not good enough. I can't even properly say I got into the car and now everybody's laughing at me. Flush cheeks, the whole enchilada. And this is the same with our dogs, right? My English teacher's voice is a voice that we're hearing in our own heads when it comes to our dogs as well. And sometimes it's even our own voice. It's the voice of, you're never going to get there. You're never going to get it to be perfect. I'm telling you already, it's not going to happen. So you feel like you're failing ahead of time. You already have this feeling of it's never going to work. That is such a crappy feeling. Well, and if I'm never going to get it to work, then I might as well not even start. Not entirely how it works, but that's what our primitive brain is doing. You know, our brains are great. Our brains are like, if we don't have to expand energy, then we're not going to. So if the feeling, sorry, to be really precise here, if the thought is 
this is never going to work. I'm never going to get it perfect. I'm never going to get it up to the standard that I want to. Then our brain is very quick to say, okay, let's just do nothing then, okay? Because then we don't have to expend the energy and we also don't have to feel like crap in the end. We don't have to feel like a failure. Because feeling like a failure, ugh, it sucks and we don't like feeling that way. So let's just avoid it. And the German at the party example, I mean, that is something that takes place every single day. It takes place when we imagine that people have thoughts about the way we train. It takes place when we go out on walks and the my dog is friendlies or the I've never had a dog, but I've watched 100 episodes of Caesar Milan. People have an opinion about us or they have something to say about us. And then we think, oh, what did I do wrong? Did I do it wrong? The embarrassment, the shame, all of those feelings, all of them come up. And those feelings are the ones that we don't like. Those are the feelings that we we want to avoid. We imagine that people are judging us. We imagine that people are ridiculing us, that we don't have the scale. We don't have what it takes. We just stood ourselves into a car instead of sitting ourselves down in the car. We are messing up our dogs, we're messing up our dog training, everybody's there at the party to laugh at us, point fingers, and we're just getting our cheeks flushed with shame and embarrassment. The fun part about all of this is that it's all in our head, though. Failure isn't a thing. Failure is a thought. Failure is a way to think about something, but it's not real. Perfect is a thought. It is, again, not real. It's something we've made up. I mean, really, if I asked you to describe what being able to speak a language perfectly looked like, would you even be able to? Even for a native speaker, like my Dutch is not perfect. I make mistakes. I see writers and people who've studied Dutch speak on television or I read their books and I see them use a prose or and hear them if I listen to them use a vocabulary that never in this world I'm going to have. What is perfect? Would they say that their Dutch is perfect? Would you say like whose English would you say is perfect? Even native speakers. I'm just thinking of my my amazing friend Rachel, who's another life coach and who's from Texas and and has the most beautiful Texas accent. And we're always laughing about her y'alls and yaints. But I'm pretty sure that they're not in Webster's or Collins Dictionary. So is her English perfect or not? Like, what is perfect? Perfect is a thought. The same way that failure is a thought. Something happens and we describe it as a failure and then we feel a certain way. Something is the way it is and we describe it as not being perfect. And again, we feel a certain way. Same with other people's thoughts. We imagine that they think a certain thing about us 
We imagine it because we don't know because we can't get into their brain. And then from that, we feel a certain way and we act a certain way. But we don't know. It's all our thoughts. We're making the whole thing up. Truly, we're making it all up in our own minds. It's crazy. Those people across the street that are looking at us and laughing, they're making fun about us. They're making fun about how we can't seem to control our dog, how we can't seem to train our dog. They're ridiculing us. Are they though? Do you know? Or are they just accidentally looking at you and laughing about something that they're talking to each other about that happened maybe two weeks ago at a party, who knows, that they went to. We're making it all up. We never know. So back to a language example. Uh, Before I became a life coach and before I started working with um, guardians to challenging dogs, I worked at the European Patents Office as a patent examiner for the longest time. Now, there's people working there from over 30 different countries. And the working languages of the office are English, French, and German. So you stood a very high chance of at least dealing with people who were, if their native tongue wasn't English, French, or German, were at least able to speak four languages, but who then moved, because one of the branches of the European Patent Office is in the Netherlands, who then moved to the Netherlands and had to learn a fifth language. And of course, since I was from the Netherlands, I was one of the people that they would like to practice their language skills on. And I was always amazed at their willingness to learn this other language, to come to me and practice. And of course, it sounded like crap in the beginning. And they took, you know, like two whole minutes to formulate one sentence. And all I could think of was, Wow, I respect you so much for putting in this effort, for trying so hard to make this work. I respect you 10 times more for trying and making mistakes and trying to get there than if you wouldn't be trying at all. And then I heard myself think and I thought, hold on, (laughs) wait a second. Why are you so generous and so so kind to others in this sense, but so cruel and mean to yourself? Why do you respect others for trying and making mistakes while you don't want to try and make mistakes yourself? There's something wrong. There's something like, there's a wire crossed in your brain here. So this is when I flipped the switch because this is when I started thinking Well, what if the people that I am speaking to are thinking the exact same way that I'm thinking? What if they're thinking, kudos to you for trying. Well done. At least you're making an effort. So I just decided that that was what I was going to believe about other people. I was going to believe that they were cheering me on from the sidelines for making an effort. And that made it so much easier to try. That made it so much easier to make mistakes. I was just going to decide that the people at the party, you know, the the German party, they were like, yeah, you just made us laugh because it sounded really funny. So we're having a good time. And we really respect you for trying to speak our language. 
Because the thing is, you just don't know. You don't know what the other people are thinking. All your anguish, all your fear is coming from you believing, from coming from you being convinced, being certain that the way they think is a certain way, but you don't know. It took me really getting into my own brain and thinking, oh, wait a minute. Other people might be thinking this about me too, and that's like a whole different experience from the one I'm imagining where they're belittling me and laughing at me and making me look like an idiot. So why not believe that they think of me favorably? The same with what we imagine other people think about the way we train our dogs. We think that we know that they're disapproving. We think that we know what they're thinking about us, but in reality, we don't. And I mean, leave it to our brain to imagine worst case scenario, because that's what it does. We have this famous negativity bias. We're going to jump to the worst of conclusions. But what if we could just tell our brain, hey brain, really, you don't know what they're thinking. They might be thinking, kudos to you for trying. Kudos to you for making an effort. We respect you 10 times more for making an effort with your dog and making mistakes than if you hadn't tried at all. Because that's what's going to happen if you equate not reaching this illusion of perfection with failure. Because if you think you're going to fail anyway, because you're never going to reach that level of perfection, then you're not even going to try. Then you're not even going to start in the first place. So how do you get yourself into that mindset? Out, Out of the one mindset and into the other. Well, my first tip would be to say, hey, remember, mistakes are what you need to learn and grow. I will never stand myself into a car in German ever again. I know, for example, that when I have client calls and I bring Rusty with me into the office, that I have to get down to my office at least 10 minutes before I get onto that call to allow him some time to settle. If I don't, he's going to be all restless, trotting around the room, begging for my attention, and I won't be able to focus on my clients the way I would want to. How do I know? Because I made the mistake of doing that once, and I learned from it. So mistakes are an integral part to growing. You can't grow without making mistakes. And yes, the feeling that goes with making mistakes is discomfort. And yes, that's not a fun feeling. But you know what? That feeling of discomfort is temporary. And the lesson that you learn is going to stay with you. Also, you may want to think of the cost of not wanting to make mistakes. The cost of perfectionism, both to yourself, to your dog, and to others. So in the case of, of languages, you know, what I've been using as an example, for example, it will take you longer to integrate into a new society. But also, looking at it from the other side, it may take others who are looking precisely for a friend like you longer to find you because you can't communicate with them. When it comes to our dog, It's going to take you longer to find out how your dog ticks. Or, for example, you not speaking about 
the problems that you're having with your dog or the mistakes that you made in training or showing people what you're doing. Maybe that's preventing someone else from having that aha moment that, you know, this is the whole reason that I started the podcast of, oh, I'm not alone. There's other people who are going through this. Maybe I can ask them. Maybe I can learn from them. You may be taking away a learning opportunity from someone else by not be, being willing to make mistakes yourself or by not being willing to talk about it, by not being willing to be open about it. All right. And always remember that when you're feeling shame or embarrassment for not having done something perfectly, for having made a mistake, it's because of what you think others are thinking about you. But you never know what they're thinking about you. You just think you know. So why not believe that they're thinking something positive about you? And the way to do that is to imagine what you would think if somebody else were making such a mistake. You would probably we be, we be, <laughs> be way more compassionate with another person than you're being with yourself. Like what if your best friend had made that mistake or had not lived up to that perfection standard? What would you be thinking about them? What would you be telling them? Probably something very kind. Imagine that those people are thinking that same way about you because you don't know. You really, truly don't know. So why not believe that they're being kind and compassionate? Why not believe that they're cheering you on for trying to learn that new language, for working with your dog, for doing your stinking best, helping that other sentient being also live the best version of their life? What else? Well, how about that whenever you start thinking, this wasn't perfect, I could have done better, ask yourself if you even know what the threshold for perfect is. What is the standard? What's the definition? Can you define it? Do you even know when you have reached perfectionism? Because this is a trick our minds really love to play. So, well, that wasn't perfect. But then when I ask, okay, but then can you define perfect? We're drawing a blank. So keep that in mind. Do you even know what perfect looks like? What would it have looked like? Can you define it? Probably you can't. So you might as well not measure imperfect then. And finally, just remember that feelings of discomfort are always temporary. Embarrassment is temporary. I am sure that there are incidents or things that happened in your past or when you were little, when you were a kid, that at the time were very super duper embarrassing and now make for the most fun stories to tell at birthday parties or weddings or gatherings or what not think of those and then remember this feeling as they say this too shall pass this is temporary that's what i have for you today if you and your dog want to start living in post perfection land where there is less space to worry about getting things wrong and there's just simply more time for fun and for the relationship with your dog then you will want to start my coaching program yesterday 
just go to my website and schedule your free consult to see if it is for you. If you don't know how to spell that, because my website is my name, kaisafanoverbeck.com, then just go to the podcast details and you will find out how to spell that. Also, if you like listening to this podcast, might I kindly ask you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you listen to this podcast because reviews are super important to help the podcast get found so that we can help more people feel less alone. 